0: Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, where, as always, I'm here to help us all find more joy in our relationships. Before we get into today's topic, I want to share several responses from listeners to recent prior episodes. We have two here from episode 59, the one entitled, Joy Found in Unusual Places. This is the episode where I describe Janet's mother's passing from this life onto the next. I describe the joy that Janet found in being with her mother the last 48 hours of her life. The first response comes from a listener in Japan. He's a missionary serving there, and he wrote the following Everything you said about your mother in law is what my brother and I have been experiencing with my mom the last three years. Almost a month ago, she had a bad fall with broken ribs and femur in memory care, was hospitalized, released, and now in a nursing home in the same facility, at the same time losing her room in memory care, and there is no permanent bed open at present in in the nursing home. So we hope there will be a bed before the stay-at-home ends, and she is forced to move somewhere else. I'm glad I had time to be with her from June to December when I was home from Japan. I pray that she would have some sense of the Lord's presence and comfort. I'm in Japan, and of course my brother is not allowed to visit at the present moment. Yeah, my heart goes out to this missionary. It's a real difficult situation being 6,000 miles away and having your parent in a nursing home or assisted living facility and there not being much that you can do because of the distance. It's a common problem we're seeing with, with missionaries serving overseas, caring for aged parents and wanting to do the best you can because you love them, but being so limited because of the distance. Well, a second letter, or actually an email that I received from this same episode, episode 59, comes from a health care worker, and she wrote the following. John. My prayers go out to you, Janet, and family. Blessings as you journey this loss. I have been listening to you, and you calm my heart when I'm anxious in the middle of the night. I go out every day and work with the elderly and pray that none get sick. Thank you and blessings. Wow, what a neat thing from a healthcare worker to be so concerned about her patients that she is praying for them and that she's worried about them. Well, then we have the last response I want to share. It comes from episode 60 from last week, the one entitled One Perspective on Stay-at-Home You Probably Haven't Heard Before. And that perspective, you might recall, was simply two words, create something. And this comes from a uh, retired widowed missionary. She sent the following email. I felt that today's episode was really strong. It was practical and inspiring. Thanks. I just have to pass on one way that I'm connecting. It's fun to be creative, isn't it? And she went on to say, I am thankful for ways to keep up on FaceTime with my grandkids and their parents who live farther away. But I miss having them in my home. So I sent over some big sheets of butcher paper for them to help me keep them close. And she had them draw these life-size pictures in their driveway. On Easter, and they were somehow delivered to her, and she said that was the next best thing, to them being here, and she sent pictures of them. You know, they're typical kids' drawings, but they're they are life size. These huge butcher block or butcher sheets of paper, that are covering uh, the size of a window, and they're they they are lifelike, and it's just really interesting to see the kids, and it just reminds her of her grandchildren. I think that was just a a great idea, sending butcher paper to your grandkids and saying, hey, give me a self-portrait of you. Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for the responses. So now let's get into today's show. It's going to be a good news, bad news episode. I asked Carol what she wanted to hear first, and she said, give the bad news first. Well, that would be my choice, too. So I will share it first, and then at the end, I'll explain the good news, the good news about the bad news. So be sure to stick around for that. Here's the bad news. There is another serious virus affecting us all that's been around a lot longer than the COVID-19 coronavirus. But you never hear anything about it from the media. And sadly, the virus seems to be getting worse. I'm talking about the relational virus of CD20, curiosity deficiency 20. Curiosity deficiency is the relational virus defined as a lack of curiosity or interest in the lives of other people with whom we have a relationship. That definition is from the CDC itself. No, not the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, no. This is the CDC in Bismarck, North Dakota, the Curiosity Deficiency Council of Bismarck, North Dakota, that CDC. And here are seven symptoms of CD20 from the CDC in Bismarck, North Dakota. See if any of these apply to you. Number one, people often bore you. Number two, you know little about the past of the people close to you, parents, other relatives, neighbors, coworkers. Symptom number three, people's behavior often mystifies you. Number four, you try to connect with people more by sharing your thoughts and experiences rather than listening to theirs. Symptom number five of curiosity deficiency, you don't know the love language of the people closest to you. Number six, you gravitate more toward people who are similar to you than those who are different. And finally, number seven, the seventh symptom of curiosity deficiency is trusting people is difficult for you. Well, the CDC is coming out with a test for curiosity deficiency that may be ready in just a couple of weeks. So as soon as it's available, I'll be sure to pass it on to you. Let me give you two examples of this dreaded virus. As an icebreaker exercise, I will often use when I'm leading a small group of people who don't know each other, is to ask everyone to share something that most people don't know about them. I will sometimes say when it's my turn that I have two certified birth certificates with two different names. Now, no one has ever been curious enough to ask me why. Why do you have two certified birth certificates with two different names? Well, in a nutshell, it's because I was adopted and I have two different birth certificates. And that's another story we'll have to say for another time. Another example of curiosity deficiency comes from a story that I'll share with you from a missionary couple that came to us about a strained relationship with their adult children. The couple had known each other as friends for many years during their respective marriages to other spouses, but both of these spouses from their first marriage uh, passed away, and some time elapsed, and this widow and widower ended up marrying each other. Doesn't that sound great? Yeah. Well, uh, their marriage uh, took place six months after the husband's first wife passed away. And the adult children of the husband were in their late 20s. When I asked the guy, the husband, I said, when I asked him, I said, "Uh, how did your adult children feel about you getting married just six months after their mother died? I don't know, the husband said, looking like a deer in headlights. (laughs) I never thought to ask them. Well, he clearly was suffering from a severe case of curiosity deficiency. He had no interest in wondering about the impact of his actions on his grieving children. He gained a wife. His children lost their mother. Now, I really felt for this guy because I, too, have had my own bouts of CD20, curiosity deficiency. I think now of many questions I wish my parents were around to answer, but I wasn't curious enough to ask them. For example, my father died in 1997, and I was really never curious enough to ask him about his experience in World War II. And then just recently, though, uh, the other day, I was uh, looking f- through some papers of my mother's, and I stumbled across his uh, discharge paper from the Army Air Force, and there was a letter dated April 5, 1946. It appears it was a letter of recommendation from my father's uh, commanding officer. It was quite complimentary. I was quite surprised at all the positive things that were said. Well, in this letter, it mentions a story about how, let me just read it to you. He said, During an emergency lasting seven days, Sergeant Sertalik, my father, worked a total of 135 hours, as much as 22 hours without rest. During this time, he was required to work only 40. I wish he was around where I could ask him about that. I never really asked him about his time in the service during World War II. I wish I would have. Another thing about my father, I knew that he played tennis in high school. He was on the high school tennis team. But I was never curious enough to ask him about what that was like, being a tennis player in high school. You know, I never saw a tennis racket in our house growing up. How come? Why didn't he play after high school? Tennis is one of those sports that you can carry on uh, for a long, long time into middle and even old age. But he didn't. What happened? And my grandsons are accomplished tennis players now as high school seniors. And so I was thinking about that in relation to my father. How come tennis was never talked about in our house growing up? but it was part of his life as a teenager. I also wonder who taught my father how to figure skate so well, and to do that split-eagle move that fascinated me and my siblings. This is a move where you, you take your skates and you point them uh, horizontally in opposite directions parallel to your body. It's kind of like a bow-legged move, and they're pointing to the right and to the left as far as possible, and you make a big circle and you skate on the inside edges of your ice skates. He taught me about edges on ice skates and how to do a figure eight, and I learned how to do that. And, but who taught him how to do that? You know, he grew up as a teenager uh, without a father. His father had died, and I was never curious enough to ask him about that. What was that like growing up as a teenager without a dad? Who taught him how to bowl? He was a, an accomplished bowler, was on the company bowling team. He played pool. Who taught him how to do that? And then I was never curious enough to ask him what it was like when his sister, his half-sister, was killed in a car crash when he was just a kid. I wasn't curious enough to ask why he brought his mother, my grandmother, in to live with us when I was very young and how he dealt with a running conflict between her and my mother. That must have been awful to juggle the relationship between his wife and his mother. What a no-win situation that must have been. But I was never curious enough to ask. I wasn't curious enough to ask him or my mother about a distant memory I have of a vague event that occurred when I was very young. I remember this event where there was just a lots of yelling and commotion that involved great amount of blood in our bathroom sink. You know, did someone slash their, their wrists over the, the conflict that was going on? Or was it just some random, gory accident? You know, there's no one left to deal with my reawakened curiosity. They're all gone now. I wonder about your curiosity about your past and the past of others close to you. I wonder how much richer your relationships and my relationships would be If we were all just a little more curious about each other. Well, I mentioned there's a vaccine. There's a vaccine for this curiosity deficiency virus. Here it is. Ask more questions. Yep, that's the vaccine for the curiosity deficiency virus. Ask more questions. I'm going to go into this in a fair amount of depth in next week's episode. But for now, one final thought. You know, you often hear people say about their fathers or grandfathers in World War II or any of the other wars that we've had since, where they say things like, well, they just don't want to talk about it. You know, my, my father, my uncle, they just don't want to talk about their wartime experience. Hmm, I wonder. I have a hunch that maybe these combat vets would have loved to have talked about it if only someone would have asked them questions about their experience. Maybe it seemed like they didn't want to talk about it because they sensed people didn't really care all that much. I wonder. Hmm. Well, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing that I hope you remember from today's episode. It's this. The more curious we are about the people in our life, the greater the potential for deeper relationships with them. Hmm. Well, how can you respond to today's show? I think it's by asking a few questions of ourselves. Who are you curious about? Who are the people you would like to understand and appreciate more? From the kind and generous neighbor next door to the rebellious teenager in your life, Imagine how much deeper your relationship with them would be if you exercised your curiosity muscles in relating with them. Another thing you can do, especially if you are a new listener to this podcast, is to go back and listen to episode 54 and episode 55. They are both about self-centeredness. Curiosity deficiency virus is a major contributing factor to this relational disease. As always, another thing you can do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode, much like the examples I read earlier at the beginning. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. Next week, as I mentioned, we'll take a look at the vaccine recently approved by the CDC for Curiosity Deficiency Virus, namely Ask People Questions. I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now to conclude with our Relationship Quote of the Week. I think at a child's birth, if a mother could ask a fairy godmother to endow it with the most useful gift, that gift would be curiosity. It's from Eleanor Roosevelt. I'll say it again. I think at a child's birth, if a mother could ask a fairy godmother to endow it with the most useful gift, that gift would be curiosity. Thank you, Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, that's all for today. See you next week. Goodbye for now.